Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. What an overnight we've had at the Euros. Fantastic action, fantastic emotion. It's what football is all about. We will be celebrating Denmark's progression to the round of 16 and all the overnight action in today's episode of the Gagapod and looking ahead to another big one where England will be looking to progress. But boy, they are not going to have it their own way on Wednesday morning. So much to talk about. Let's get into it. Yeah, as I said, Denmark, what a story. Belgium, triumphant. Austria through as well. So there's much to talk about as well as Netherlands winning comfortably against North Macedonia. Jake Rosengarten is back to help me walk through all of that again. How are you, Jake? Mate, walking in on an absolute wave. How good was that? It was brilliant stuff. It's what my other pundit today, Luke Wilkes, she called on the couch. That's football. That's what it's all about. Luke, great to see you back on the podcast for the first time in the Euros and what a morning to be doing so. Oh, it's been brilliant. I think um, the biggest thing you talk about the Denmark and, and the fact that supporters, seeing the emotion of the fans um, and what it meant to the Danish was, was phenomenal and that just shows what the beautiful game of football does um, and what it's all about. So, you know what? Let's start actually at the end today because it's still so fresh in our minds and we were, I don't, I don't want to say we got carried away because it's what we've missed. We've watched so much football because we love football, but then when you see that, you remember what it's part of, which is this amazing emotion and roller coaster that we've fallen in love with. You were on deadline, Jake. You had to put together a thousand on words while enjoying that. How did you do so, and what did you take out of it? Well, I mean, these are the these are the most pleasurable parts of the job, I'd say, Dave. I mean, you don't get much better mornings than this morning. I will point out that I was so excited that that Dave actually had to uh, take out a few superlatives from my piece. I was I was too too excited, um, but I mean. Just what a great story. I, I, don't, I don't think it can be topped at Euro 2020, to be honest with you. I mean, from the lowest low to the highest high. I mean, after everything that happened with Christian Eriksen and being forced to play on and to come up trumps, but not just come up trumps, but in the way that Denmark just rose. And even with adversity, again, with the way that it played out, I think it was just, it was literally perfect for mine. It well, couldn't have been any better. I'll tell you one way it can play out is if they go on and go deep into the tournament. That's one way it can get topped. But the brilliant part of it, w- w- the emotion was amazing. The resilience was amazing, Luke. But they also finally, at the end, got the reward for their footballing quality, which they hadn't because of circumstances thus far. Yeah, they, they did. And, and, you know, going into the game, I think they had 43 shots um, and only scoring the one goal. I think it was seven shots against and conceding three. But they have quality, um, and we'd seen that. They didn't get their awards in the, in the previous games, but they certainly did this morning, um, and rightly so. And, but, but for me, again, you talk about that, the, the lowest they were and what happened with Ericsson and how the, the strength within that squad, um, you know, starting from the manager to the players, you know, it's, it's just been phenomenal. And, and to see that elation uh, during the game, after the game, with them and the supporters of what they've been through, what they've witnessed, um, you know, it's fantastic and, you know, it's a story in itself. On the football side of things, though, I think one of the major question marks around this Denmark team entering the tournament, even before 
the loss of Ericsson was whether they really had that cutting edge and firepower to, to score enough goals to go deep in this tournament. When you consider the fact that Yusuf Poulsen and Martin Braithwaite, the two sort of key men up front, aren't particularly prolific at club level. Um, and I think this morning, especially with, with the emergence, not emergence so much of, of Christian Damsgaard because he's had a huge season in Serie A. Mikhail Damsgaard uh, Mikhail replacing Dam- Christian Eriksen. Oh, jeez. There you go. But you know what? what? But, but that, that's, that's a, you know, I understand that why we would say that because he was replacing Christian Eriksen and stepped yeah, up into in his 11, shoes. Yeah. To be honest, he wasn't even in the 11 in the, in the opening match and he's scored an absolute stunner and, and his name will be on everyone's lips. But Luke, you mentioned it on the coverage, the way that they, they had four individual goal scorers today, including Andreas Christensen. The goals are coming and, and you could just feel the, the rising tide with this Denmark team as they really pushed on and realised what they were about to achieve. They just sort of stepped up to another level for mine. They did, and in footballing terms, they did. The Damsgaard goal was so good because at that point, both games were deadlocked. You're kind of thinking, oh, well, there's got to be a twist here, but it was really sort of stuck and simmering, and he didn't have much to play with. That That's a player who's got the water at his feet if he can pull that out then and there. That's There's, there's moments in games where you need that special something, and, and special players have that to create something from nothing, and he did. His first touch was fantastic, and the way he's hit the ball caught the keeper completely off guard. Um, a fantastic strike, and like I say, 20 years old, to come in and really stamp his authority, and he, he that changed the game. You know, goals change games, and special players change games, and he's done that. Denmark have potential. You mentioned it. They've played Wales now, which you'd have to say is uh, an opportunistic uh, uh, pathway because they probably match them pound for pound, if not if not more. Um, from a footballer's perspective, in terms of momentum that you can carry from this. It's it's almost the perfect tonic now. Oh, it is. I think you know, and football is all about momentum. You know, and from where where they've been and they've built it up, um, with not just their performances, but you know, you can see that driving force behind them and the belief now having four four goals. Uh, they'll they'll look at it and say, you know what, oh, Wales, we've got a, we've got a real good chance here to progress. You can't really have more of a high than this, though, Luke. Let's be honest. I mean, in the history of the Euros. They are the first team ever to lose their first two games and then go through. That is their biggest win at the Euros in 37 years. I mean, Denmark must just be riding an absolute wave of emotion. And and against a team like Wales, who, I mean, I think Denmark especially, you look at them, their strengths, they're actually on paper quite good defensively. They've got a very strong defense. When you look at on paper, obviously Schmeichel in goal is strong, but you've got a back three of, um, so it's Vestergaard, Christensen, and the third one is... Off the top of my head, I cannot remember. Well, there you go. But <laughs> the third one's also strong. It's a very, very good defense. Um, and against oh, the Simon, team, Simon Carr. Oh, of course, the captain. Yeah. Mr. Inspiration yeah. himself. Yeah. Um, but against a team who relies so heavily on the likes of Gareth Bale and Aaron Ramsey, um, I think they may actually go all right in, in, uh, in blunting them for mine. It's a good matchup. It's a good matchup in terms of the four goal scores we mentioned. Um, there's a there's a there's a lovely thing happening in terms of underdog stories during the tournament. The Atalanta score score a Mala today that fourth goal. That was also you guys mentioned it off air. You're buzzing about it, Luke. The ability that he had to sum up the situation, which shows that in a clutch moment, not only do Denmark have quality like we saw with the goals from long distance, but afforded a bit of space and afforded a bit of composure, um, they've got a little bit to offer as well, which they, we didn't see in those first two games. But when you actually look at their tournament, if they'd come into it, they would have said, Belgian game's a bonus. The other two games are where we're going to pick up our points. First game was unforeseen circumstances. No one could have predicted it. So they're probably just about where they want to be. Yeah, they are. And, and look, let's be honest, the, the first game and obviously the, the circumstances, but don't take away they still should have won that game against Finland um, you know so 
the, but you talk about the quality and the composure. That was in transition, but uh, you know, you talk about a team. This is a team. This is not about any individual. This is a real team, and you saw that um, both on and off the field and what it meant. And when you got a team, forget you know your individual stars. You can progress and you can cause problems for anyone you play. That could potentially be almost the lesson of this Euros, depending on how it plays out. When you think about the way that Italy have started, um, they're also in a similar vein. Um, not not necessarily dependent on a single superstar, but a team, the sum of its parts, um, under Roberto Mancini. Um, so you wonder, sort of going forward, whether a Denmark can sort of, uh, sort of pull off a bit of an upset, although there are definitely some superstars going around, as we saw in the other game. Yeah, look, Thomas Sorensen, before the tournament, before anything had happened in terms of twists and turns, said that they've got the quality and the belief that they can go all the way to, through the quarterfinals, and that may be just where they end up. Now, Russia won't, and the most disappointing thing, Luke, probably for people, you know, your your former fans and, and, and teammates over in Russia, is that they were actually in a position to go through in third at 1.2, and at the end, uh, considering those late goals, puts them out of the tournament, they're going, they're going home. Yeah, they are. They're going home. And, and look, let's be honest, I think they didn't deserve to go through. They, they, they simply weren't good enough. Um, they've been criticised back in, in Russia after the first game. Um, very one-dimensional, mm. playing off Zuba. Mm. Um, you know, and you, you can't be like that at, at, at that level. Um, so they, they, in the end, they, they're going home. And that's, that's, you know, the table doesn't lie. The table doesn't lie. A lot of mistakes for mine. Um, I think they had a very clear identity of what they were trying to do. And you saw it this morning. Um, throughout, especially the, the opening part of that game, because before Damsgaard stepped up, Denmark actually looked like they didn't have a lot of ideas, to be honest with you. I mean, Russia sitting, uh, pressing high, but then once the press was beaten, sitting deeper and and uh, just frustrating frustrating them, um, and then playing Juba and obviously Moranchuk and, and uh, Golovin playing off him. Um, but again, the the second goal, the one that Pools has scored, was an absolute gift, and they did it a few times throughout this tournament. Yeah, and you can't do that at this level. Um, they'll be disappointed. They'll be very disappointed. Um, but yeah, there's there's a few goals and moments in the game you look at and you just go, oh, that can't happen at this mm. level. That can't happen, and it did. Um, and like I said, they just simply weren't good enough. And and in the end, rightly so, they they finished bottom of the group. And they weren't good enough in a situation where the door probably had opened for them to potentially progress when they might not have fancied it or where they might not have been fancied beforehand. And and by that I mentioned the fact that um, Finland and the way that the the group was positioned going into the last day, everyone was up for grabs. What happened down the road? not down the road, down at the same time, made this such an exciting morning. It wasn't just one game, it was the drama simultaneously, where at one point the group was flipping this way, that way, all at the same time. Romelu Lukaku's toenail was adjudged offside at the same moment that Russia got a penalty to get back into the other contest. And that's what's going to make the next few days so exciting. But for in total, Belgium had the quality and that won out in the end. It did. <laughs> One thing I want to point out is, though, that the way this morning played out was actually quite indicative of how unique this Euros is because Russia and Denmark played in Copenhagen. And Russia were the home team in their home kit. And meanwhile, at the same time, it wasn't down the road, but it was in Russia. <laughs> it was Belgium playing uh, playing Finland in Russia. So <laughs> just unique. Quite interesting. And it was very confusing because we're lucky enough to have both games on top of each other. And it was red and white against red and white. And there was genuinely times I actually forgot which game I was watching. So it was pretty interesting. But... Um, Finland, they came, look, they knew that what they were going to do. They were going to sit back. I think Timo Puki had one, had more touches in his own half than the other. They had one touch in the opposition box in the first half, and it nearly prevailed, but Belgium were kind of sleepwalking to victory, weren't they? Yeah, well, in the end, you know, you, you realise the quality that a Belgian side has. They know they can't go toe-to-toe with them. They're always going to do that. Um, you know, and they knew a point would be enough for them to go through. But 
in the end, Belgium, with the quality that they have, it's going to shine through. Although they made eight changes, when you're bringing in Hazard, De Bruyne, uh, Witzel, Vermaelen, you know, the, the quality that's coming in and, and with Lukaku still playing up top, they're always going to get that. So you, we've seen, or you mentioned Italy before in terms of identity. Um, we'll speak about the Netherlands a little bit in a moment who have been very exciting to watch. I feel like Belgium haven't had to do much to get to the round of 16. They were pretty much outplayed by Denmark for a half and then Kevin De Bruyne came on and bang, bang, bang with his individual brilliance got them through. I'm not going to say, are we convinced? Because I don't think we've had, they've had the opportunity to convince us. But where do you put then a Belgium is it almost like they have just got these two or three or four unbelievable individuals that actually doesn't matter where they're at. They have the capacity to go deep. I think they're a team you certainly you can never write them off when you've got the individual quality of a De Bruyne, of a Lukaku, um, of a Hazard. I mean, even like you think about the other guys that are around them, Carrasco, Mertens, Tielemans, like there's just quality everywhere. They're a great side. You're 100% right. Yet to be tested. I mean, I think it's interesting, especially because Italy also haven't been tested. And you think about France, who were tested and didn't come through. Germany lost their opening game, bounced back. Obviously, there's another game left in that group. Um, so I think it's quite delicately poised. I don't see a reason why Belgium can't go all the way. But there's also nothing to suspect that they're on and, another level. Yeah, or that they're unbackable or anything like that. Anything this morning that made you think, maybe, you know, De Bruyne, he, he's, he, can, he can win this on his own. Uh, Hazard's coming back into it. They could start him. What did you take out of what you saw today? They have quality. And De Bruyne, for me, when he when he's in the form that he's in, he's shown in that 30 minutes. And then today, he can, he can change games. He can win games. He can be the difference in a tournament. Um, and I'm sure he will be. You know, this, it's time for, for Belgium. This is this has to be their moment with their so-called golden generation. Um, it's sort of now or never. Mm. You know, the way it's poised. And, yeah, they've cruised through the group, but they only, that's, they've done what they had to do. Yeah. You know, and they, they'll build into it. And, and like all good teams going into tournaments, you don't, want to, you don't want to peak too early. You don't want to be playing your best football in the group stages. You want to get through it, and then you want to be starting to peak. Yeah, and Lukaku is right where he wants to be. Everyone, you know, there's no questions at the moment. Is Lukaku going to step up on the biggest eight? He's scoring goals at the Euros. I think maybe where my doubt lies, and it's not so much doubt, it's just that any questions that you might have had about Belgium coming into the tournament, they haven't had the opportunity to necessarily answer. Even today, the changes were defensive, so we saw different people come in. You can't say we've seen their best 11 roll out. So, just up for grabs for me. Just see how they go. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm not sold that they're unbackable world number ones. I think they're right up in the mix with everyone else. Agreed, but... On what Luke was saying about De Bruyne, I think he's has already shown in one and a half games of this Euros that he's pretty much peerless in Europe in terms of playmaking. He has just gone to another level. He His chance creation um, is just it's ridiculous. Mm. I guess that's where the Ballon d'Or shout came out uh, in the middle of the, the post-game show as well, Luke, in that if Belgium do go almost all the way, if not all the way, he is going to be the catalyst. No matter how many good players they've got, he's going to be the catalyst. Yeah, he's, he's shown that, like saying that the game and a half that he's played, that he's crucial to them to go to that next level. When yeah. you talk about being a top team, but being the team that can potentially win this tournament, he's going to be crucial for them. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. 
$45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Earlier in the night, so we had Belgium still their top spot. We had um, Denmark going through in second. Now, uh, I, I say nervous wait for Finland to find out. It can't be nervous because they've achieved, they've overachieved what they suspected. But now that they're in the position to potentially go through, they'll be sweating and hoping that they can create further history and further romance and be another fairy tale in this competition going forward. We do know that Denmark will play Wales, as I said, but the Belgium opponent is up for grabs. It could be one of the third place teams. We don't know quite yet who that's going to be. What we do know is early in the Earlier in the night, the Netherlands, who were first anyway, they beat North Macedonia. I say comfortably. North Macedonia were value for entertainment in this game, but goals to Memphis Depay and a brace to Ginny Wijnaldum continues the Dutch's momentum. The big result of the morning, which we'll start with first, is that Austria did win 1-0 and go through in second place ahead of Ukraine. There's two ways to look at this. One is Austria finally got their, you know, what sorted. Second of all, Ukraine were undoubtedly disappointing when everything went on the line. Even Andriy Shevchenko, their legendary manager, admitted after the game, he basically said, we didn't turn up, which is pretty damning in a, in a pretty crucial game at a major tournament. Um, for a Ukraine team who, I mean, they've had sort of fits and starts at this tournament so far. They've, they've looked all right. That, that, that front two has sort of done the business. Um, but when it really mattered, they weren't there. And, and Austria dominated. I think in the first half, only Italy in that opening game against Turkey have had more shots. Interesting stuff. Yeah, no, look, it, it, you talk about that, it, we didn't turn up. That's not beyond disappointing. You not know, here, for, not now. For a team that, you know, and, and I thought the Ukraine actually looked good in the previous games. I thought yeah, so you know, I. They, they looked good to, to cruise through this, and it was, it was a disappointing display. Um, and, yeah, so that's not good enough. When, you, when, you, when it's on the line in the Euros to just say, well, we didn't turn up. Uh, I'm not having that. Christoph Baumgartner's goal was the difference, and it was bizarre, Jake. Well, not this wasn't bizarre. Seeing David Alva played in a correct position just makes you wonder, what were they doing in the other games? W- what is the logic? How can you possibly not put your talisman where he can make an impl- influence on the game. Well, well Franco Foda's certainly copped it over that, for sure. In the opening two games, you see Alaba playing in a very, very deep central defensive uh, role. Um, and he has sort of been wasted for mine, and you could see that. I mean, he was still their most creative and, and best player technically from the centre of defence, and then when he was unleashed on the left, you could just see him raining in crosses, mm. and just, he's very difficult to handle because his, his delivery is, is superb, and he's so good on the ball, and he's just a great player. Austria against Italy in the next phase as a result of this result, which is probably a... I think if you're Italy, you're probably reasonably happy with that matchup. For sure. I think um, they'll definitely expect to go through and they go th- they'll go into that as massive favourites. Um, Austria, for me, go into it without anything to lose. Everyone's talking up Italy. Austria, we, they've snuck through the group and, and they're delighted. And they, you know, but they're not just going to roll over. No, no one's going to do that. They're not these sort of teams. But the, you know, the pressure will be on Italy. But Italy will be expecting to go through. It's quite interesting because Austria, you talk about Finland overachieving. Austria have certainly overachieved. This is their first major f- tournament final in 67 years since the uh, since they finished third in the 1954 World Cup, which was a while back, certainly before my time. Um, <laughs> no, knockout phase, first knockout phase. Yeah, first yeah, knockout phase. Yeah. So they, they have been through to second group phases um, before. Um, but this is a team who I think, it's, I think it's unwise to underestimate because you talk about Alaba being on another level to the rest of the players, but they do have some seasoned campaigners. Yeah. There's some really good Bundesliga talent in there and you talk about 
Baumgartner, who's actually been linked to Liverpool um, as a potential replacement for Ginny Wijnaldum, which I think is a bit odd because he plays a far more <laughs> advanced position than Wijnaldum does. I think, that mi- I think that might be a nice synergy of storylines today that ties that together quite nicely with Wijnaldum being so influential in the other game, which is what we're going to talk about in a moment. But I, I do agree with what you're talking about. Austria, a lot of these teams that know what they want to do with the talent at their disposal have quite a lot of pedigree in their team and are making it a competitive Euros because uh, that they know their identity, they know how they want to play, they know if they're going to conserve like Sweden, they know if they're going to have a or like Finland, they know if they're going to have a crack, and that's what's made uh, that's what's made this week in particular come down to the wire as well. Netherlands, Vinaldum, um, they look good. They look good. Unlike, is it a little bit like Belgium, a little bit like Italy, where you go? They've looked good, but I want to see them really up against uh, you know another tier of opponent. Yeah, it's it, you know that's where you get through the group stages, and you're going to start to see these matchups and see if they really can mix it. But if you look on paper, they've got they've got another great squad as well, but they haven't really been tested. They've cruised through the group um, a little bit like Belgium, you could say Italy. All three of them have just cruised through. So it's not until they start to come up against one another, the big guns, that you're going to really see if they can handle it and step up to it. It was a big day for Memphis and a big day for Gigi Vinalden, but Memphis probably needed it more. Oh, absolutely. We were talking uh, earlier this week when we sort of thought about, uh, after the Dutch secured their top spot, how Frank de Boer would kind of approach this game, whether he'd rest stars, how he'd go about it, trying to keep the momentum. And we sort of earmarked Memphis Depay as the one who, he'd shown glimpses in the first couple of games, sort of, uh, was close to, to to influencing, but couldn't quite land that decisive blow. And in this game, he was he was very influential. And I mean, it's it, I don't think it's a coincidence. And Frank DeBoer admitted uh, a couple of days ago, once Depay had sealed his move to Barcelona, that it was a bit of a relief uh, for him that that distraction had been lifted. And we saw Depay sort of go out there a bit carefree. Mm-hmm. And again, obviously against North Macedonia, it's it's not the greatest opponent in the world, with all due respect. Um, but he he really turned it on. Does it really? play on your mind if you've got a club you, you, you're representing your country it's miles away from you know that other issue because there's a similar story with Harry Kane that's well, about that's Manchester I was, I was City yeah. say that. this is a question for Harry Kane right now and people are talking about his form and his performances when he's there's a lot of speculation about his future uh, at club level and look it, it shouldn't um, you want to go to these tournaments and have that clear mind and be be able to fully focus but if there's not and there's that little question mark and cloud over it, no doubt that it's on the player's mind, and you can mm. you can try to to say it's not, um, but in the back of your mind, it's it's there, and so so for sure the fact that it's done, sealed, and delivered, it's like a, a, it's just that little weight off you. I've been trying to think and plot my team of the group phase as we get there, um, and I'm looking at trying to figure out the formation, trying to figure out who gets in, and one of the players who's given me a headache is is Vinaldum because I think he probably has to be in there at the moment. Would he be in your uh, eleven of the group stage so far? Well, eleven of the group stage while we get through the next couple of days. I think definitely. I mean, those those runs from deep in midfield have been invaluable for the Netherlands. He's contributed goals. He's in and around the box, but he's also forming that really nice duo with with Frankie De Jong in mm-hmm. midfield, and and is a lot of what they do in the build up. Um, he's definitely up there for me I mean I think there's we've seen some some interesting performances there's been some up and downs I'd say obviously his teammate Denzel Dumfries walks into that side um, other than that I mean I think De Bruyne somehow gets in after playing about 10 minutes of football um, other than that Luke who else have you got in there oh look throw me on the spot there yeah you did <laughs> Sorry, mate. Sorry, Sorry, after, 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 after this morning look I think um, 
<laughs> I've got a midfield of um. The, the reason why I said it was complicated is is I've got Vinaldum and Locatelli from Italy in there, and I'm thinking well, maybe I'll make this. Yeah, fan, by the way, maybe yes. we'll have to make this just a fantasy eleven, not the team of the tournament eleven, because uh, there's no way you, you you're putting all those attacking midfielders in the one team. But we're going to try. Although Wijnaldum can play everywhere, so uh, he could be your uh, your ace in the hole in that eleven days. What's well, interesting talking about the midfield balance you mentioned um, today in terms of our cross to the Athletic in the UK. I caught up a bit earlier with Simon Hughes, who's been keeping a very close eye on the Dutch, and he spoke about the midfield balance with Ryan Gravenbach coming in, the youngster who's been touted for big things. He did impress in Sparts today. He's, these are part of the decision now Frank de Boer has to make, thinking about how he's going to pick his eleven going into the round of 16. There's a sense at the moment, maybe on the outside, that, that Holland are amongst the favourites. I think I think there's only really two potentially two positions in the team that are sort of still a few question marks over. Um, Donnell Malan played really, really well against North Macedonia instead of Valkos, who is still an excellent option off the bench if he if Frank de Boer decides to go that way. But um, I think he likes Valkos, so I, I, I suspect he'll play in the in the knockout stages. And then in midfield, obviously, Martin de Rona uh, was missing from the victory over North Macedonia um, Partly because he he uh, was on two bookings and could have served a suspension for the knockout stages. So in his place was Ryan Gravenberg, who was excellent, you know, teenage midfielder, who I think will soon be playing for um, one of the big European clubs. Um, but yeah, there's a lot to be excited about Holland at the moment, and if they can get past. Uh, any of the three teams that they're likely to face in the next round, I really do feel the momentum will be in their favour. Um, obviously, it could be France, Germany or Portugal, which will be a much sterner test than the teams they face in the group stages. Yeah, thanks to some of his thoughts. It's been great getting the insight from Europe, across Europe, from the beat riders, from the athletic in the UK, as I've said throughout the, the, the tournament. Some of the best football journalism on the planet, so it's been great to hear their insights. That is a day of drama done. But we move on. Actually, before we do, a word on North Macedonia, Jake, because I know you, you covered that before the tournament, Goran Pandev. You've been um, caught up in the in the romance and the absolute um, history of that story. Um, they didn't. They covered themselves well during this tournament, and it was a beautiful moment today when he got substituted off. Great touch by the Dutch. I think they played their role to perfection. Walking in as as debutants, no one really expected them to to go deep. And I mean the the change in for, uh, sort of format of the tournament has allowed them sort of that, that back door in. Um, but they really, they entertained. They they gave a good account of themselves. And this morning, and also, so in the first game, Pandev scores their first ever goal at a major tournament. And then this morning, substituted off in about, I think it was the 67th minute. And the, the game stops. They completely stop a game at a major tournament to say farewell to an absolute icon of the game. And I thought this was, it's, it's a great, great moment. It's it's tough to beat. I, I love it. I think it's great. I mean, they also, uh, Vinaldum presenting him a, a, mm. a Dutch jersey with his name on it on the back. Give, give them credit. I think they've been fantastic for the tournament. I think, you know, Pendev's goal that he scored, but also in the second game he scored a goal that was disallowed, was a fantastic finish. They put the, the ball in the back of the net two times also this morning yeah. that were disallowed for offside. They had a good crack at it. They entertained, and I think they go away with a lot of respect from the world of football. I think they're the one beneficiary of the Nations League, which we looked at and sort of thumbed our nose up when it started going, here we go, we've got another contrived tournament, what's this all about? But actually got that tier of nation playing against teams regularly in competitive football that they were actually a chance of beating. It didn't mean that every 
game was a World Cup qualifier of competitive football for them where they would get thrashed. And in the end, there was the sort of the backdoor entry that that lo- lowest group got as an incentive to play hard in that tournament. And then you've got North Macedonia at the Euros who, yes, they were probably the weakest team, but they did a, they did a fabulous job uh, throughout and added a lot of flavour to it. And uh, that includes around the world and their diaspora. And if Dave Davidovich has recovered from his night out and his cross uh, overnight, he will be on tomorrow's podcast to digest Croatia's performance. But um, they've been great scenes. And I think that, for me, sums up the beauty of the tournament, what it means not only to the country there, to the players there, but the diaspora all around the world. There's so many people riding, and that's why we're covering it so hard here because it means so hard, so much to so many people in Australia. But we do move on because the, tomorrow is another massive day the next two days are massive and this group sees the Czech Republic play England at Webley and Scotland play Croatia at Hampden Park where the group goes down to the wire England and Czech Republic who have the inside running at the moment they can both finish first finish first they can both go into the the lottery of third place finishing so there's a lot up for grabs but off the top the most important or interesting news today is that we know Billy Gilmore is out for Scotland because he has tested positive to COVID in the days after a man of the match performance and the picture that we thought was so wonderful at the time of Ben Chilwell and Mason Mount embracing their Chelsea teammate has landed the two Chelsea players in self-isolation for England. We do not know, Jake, if they're going to be able to play for England in this massive game. Just to, in case you needed another storyline going into this one, I mean, it's an enormous morning for, for everyone, for all of those teams. Um, Scotland didn't need this. Scotland, obviously, uh, such narrative around them in their first major tournament in such a long time. I think it's uh, 26 years, 27 years around there. Um, <laughs> they, they seem to just be gluttons for punishment just about. They just Every hurdle they can possibly fall over, they do. Um, but Billy Gilmore, such, a, such a, an important cog in that midfield for Steve Clark. I think it's an interesting dilemma. For, for the coaching staff because when you think about the role that Scott McTominay played against England when he was uh, part of a back three, you've got the threat of Luka Modric but also uh, Mateo Kovacic who obviously is a teammate of Billy Gilmore and he would have known all about. He's not there. So do you, do you throw McTominay into midfield? Um, in which case you need someone else at the back. Do you bring in a Stuart Armstrong to play in the centre? What, what does Steve Clark do? I, th- I think he probably keeps McTominay actually in the centre of defence because that was... That worked really well against England, and I think they've got to go and aim to ruffle up the midfield in, in this Croatian contest and just I, I, have I a crack. I think you'll very see a very similar performance in what they had against England. Uh, you know, they're not going to go toe to toe with Croatia. They know the quality that Croatia's got. Uh, he'll have his game plan, uh, Steve Clark, and I think, like you say, that, that McTominay will stay in that back three because he did a fantastic job there. Um, but yeah, it's a blow to to Miss Gilmore the performance that he had. Um, but, you know, these things happen in football. These things happen. And, and they'll, they'll deal with it. Someone will come in, but they'll be up for it. You know what the Scottish are like. Yeah. They're always up for these kind of games. They've got the pressure's on Croatia. All the pressure's on Croatia. I think Scotland, you know, they'll lose the quality of Billy Gilmore, but whatever they do with their with their changes, I think they'll bring in intensity that will show us whether this Croatian vintage is still at the races. I think we know Croatia's going to have the quality, but will they have the tempo, the dynamism, the, the desire to match the Scots at Hampden Park. I think that's what that, this game is going to come down to. Yeah, well, I mean, there's been so much put on, so much said about about the role of Luka Modric now within this Croatian team. Obviously, he sort of drove them uh, to the World Cup final uh, a few years ago, but without Ivan Rakitic and, and a different composition within that Croatian midfield, uh, the sort of influence of, of Modric and the, the importance of him, if, if Scotland can shut him down, I mean, it almost seems as though Croatia don't have a heap of other uh, options. I think all the pressure is on them. Um, we speak about what, what they do for Billy Gilmore, what Steve Clark does with Billy Gilmore. Ben Chilwell hasn't been in the 11. It's been Luke Shaw and it was uh, Kieran Trippier. So that's not as big an issue for Sa- Gareth Southgate. Mason Mount is. 
Mason Mount is a rusted-on starter. Is this the excuse he needs to get Drat Grealish into the 11, Luke? Or will you think we might see a, I don't know, a Jordan Henderson thrown in maybe before he's ready or a Jude Bellingham before his time? How would you play it if it's Southgate? I, I think there's an opportunity there. I think, um, of course, Mount's going to be going to be a miss, but they've got so much depth in that squad. You know, you've got Grealish, you've got Sancho. Um, yeah, you talk about H- H- uh, Henderson. So there's options there that he that he can play with, and it's it depends on how Gate wants to wants to really play. So if he wants to be that aggressive, positive, which you'd hope he would be, but he hasn't shown it necessarily. He, he hasn't, and, and that's been disappointing because they've got such a talented squad. You want to see almost take the shackles off, go and play. They're through. They know they're through already, with the points they got with the four points. So go and entertain, go and play. Let them play with freedom. So Bridgie called for Harry Kane gone, Sterling gone. Screelish in, Rashford in, Sancho in. That's a great bit of punditry, but we know well, in I truth. Think, I think it has to be said that, that Bridget did say that in the aftermath of, I think he was the saddest man in Australia that morning. <laughs> the truth is, and it was a great take, but the truth is Harry Kane will play. Gareth Southgate will not drop Harry Kane. So how does he elicit a change in dynamism in such a short space of time? Because you said it, Luke, they've got the quality. They haven't shown it yet. For me, I think it's all about the quality on the ball of Jack Grealish and Jaden Sancho. Obviously, we've seen such an such a like a response from Germany, especially of Jaden Sancho not playing a single part in this tournament so far. He has been so so good and so effective and so direct for Borussia Dortmund in the last couple of seasons as he's as he's risen up the world of football. Um, I think he's going to be a massive key to getting him in and around Harry Kane. We see the way that he links up with Erling Haaland. At Dortmund, week in, week it's out. It's only going to be a massive key if he gets on the pitch. Mm. This, is not, <laughs> this is true. This is very gonna, true. You know, he's not if he's sitting in the stand. And, and it is, he, it, you know, and the manager needs to back him and Gate needs to play him. We want, everyone wants to see him play. He's got quality. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be a real signal of intent whether he does or whether he doesn't. And and my suspicion is that he probably won't. Is we'll probably still see Kane, Sterling and Foden. And but you, then you lose you lose, you lose, lose players like that. He, Sancho's going to be there. And then when maybe he does get a sniff. He's he's not at the races because mm. he doesn't feel mm. he doesn't feel it, you know. You've got to give these guys something, and someone of his quality's got to be on the pitch. If uh, if Gareth Southgate doesn't start Jack Grealish, I think I think uh, <laughs> I think there's going to be a riot. <laughs> uh, I think uh, fans are not going to be happy. This I'm is the door has opened with Mount, and I know that you probably suspect Grealish came into the team to play in the front three, not in the middle three. But with doubt on Henderson's fitness. Southgate's conservatism might mean that he won't play a 17-year-old in Bellingham, particularly that's a lot of responsibility Although on Calvin Phillips and Bellingham. Although he does appear to be ready from what we've seen in the Champions oh, to- League. Oh, totally, 100%. totally. Absolutely he's ready. But to throw Calvin Phillips in with Bellingham is a big is a big call at this time. Then maybe, you know, maybe you're right, Luke. Maybe he goes, you know, at worst we're going to come third. Um, so I am going to throw them to the Wolves and see how they go. But he just doesn't seem to be necessarily that type of manager. These players to the Wolves. Come on, they're top, top players. They've been playing in the Champions League and internationals. It's not throw them to the Wolves. He could play any one of those players in the squad. They're going to do a job. Step up. Yeah, so it's so interesting to see. I'd love to see Grealish in. I'd love to see Foden still there. I'd love to see Kane switch on and, and prove the doubt is wrong. Who supports them? Is that the front three? Is it... Grealish in for Mount with say one pacey person up front to support which we know Southgate loves I suspect that's what he will do we will all find out at 4.30am tomorrow when the pregame begins for these two games 
England against the Czech Republic, who we haven't mentioned in depth, but they will be a wily opponent. They have got the four points on the board. They have proved a great uh, a balance between that pragmatic defensiveness that we've seen from so many of those sort of tier nations just below the big ones, but they've got the attacking quality as well. Scotland against Croatia. It is all on the line. Kickoff at 5 a.m. You'll be back, Luke, for that one? I'll be back. Wouldn't miss it for the world, mate. Brilliant. And Jake, you'll be on the England game tomorrow morning on deadline, filing frantically. Oh, I'm excited, mate. I'm excited. What's Southgate going to do? I don't know. That's the thing. I think we'd like to know by now, but we have absolutely (laughs) no idea. And that's half the problem. Everyone out there today, thanks so much for listening. I hope you've enjoyed our episodes all throughout the tournament and today's edition. And as ever, and as I keep saying, more than ever at the moment, until the next episode of The Gagging Pod, enjoy your football. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.